0: Hello, Star Trek fans. I'm your host, Brian Williams, and before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to give you a quick public service announcement. The first two episodes we're discussing today, uh, A Time to Stand and Rocks and Shoals, that's the first two episodes of Season 6, we kind of mixed up some of the plot points between those two episodes. Can't blame us, even the people who made the show mix up those two episodes. Um, Anyway, I just want to give you a forewarning in case you watch an episode and then listen to our discussion in this one instance you might want to watch the first two episodes and then listen to our first two discussions Uh, it'd be less confusing that way so sorry again and on with the show companion episode 35 i'm your host brian williams i'm adam caesar i'm Stephen Embry, and we are so excited ds9 sixth season here we are today we're going to be discussing the first, first uh, four episodes that's time to stand rocks and shoals sons and daughters and behind the lines let's do it <laughs>
1: A Time to Stand, Season 6, Episode 1, Production Number 525, Original Airdate, September 29, 1997. Written by Iris Stephen Baer and Hans Beimler, Directed by Alan Croker, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Andrew J. Robinson as Garrick, Jeffrey Combs as Wayune Mark Lemo as Golducott, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, J.G. Hertzler as Martok, Casey Biggs as Demar, Barry Jenner as Admiral Ross, and Brock Peters as Joseph Sisko. Oh
2: Several months into their war against the Dominion-Cardassian Alliance, the Federation is fighting a losing battle. Having long ago abandoned Deep Space Nine, Sisko and his crew have been taking on the enemy from the USS Defiant. But they have grown more and more demoralized as fleets of promised reinforcements have been demolished. And to make matters more interesting, Admiral Ross informs Captain Sisko that he is no longer in command of the Defiant. What do you think is going to happen here, Dukat? you're going to wear me down with your charming personality? That I'm going to be swept off my feet by that insincere smile? Are you really so deluded that you actually believe that we're going to have some kind of intimate relationship?
0: Oh, we already do. Okay, so, the fifth season ended.
2: (laughs) Everybody just loved this episode, huh?
0: (laughs) Everybody loves this episode, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, okay, well, all right. So, fifth season ends. Uh, The writers said, you know, the ship flies off and uh, the Defiant, you know, they they escape DS9, they fly off and they meet up with an armada. Now, they wrote that, but what the FX guys did Did what they created was a shot where the Defiant's flying off, and the Armada, the you know Starfleet vessels are all coming toward the camera, and we see the Defiant go toward them, turn around, and like it's heading back. The the implication being they're heading back to the station for this big battle. That was not something that the writers had planned for, but now they were stuck, and they had to write for it. So we start off with this. It's. Three months later, and we did have a battle. We've had a bunch of battles, and we're losing them all. Now, season six, for the first time in Star Trek history, is going to basically be serialized, at least for these first six episodes. Um, yeah, now, that's a little bit more like what we've talked about in the show. For the, you know, compared to say contemporary television, you know, Lost and Battlestar, um, I don't know, Twenty Four. Um where that that's kind of stuff that really is serialization. That's where it's every episode goes right into the next. It's it's really one big story. Um as opposed to uh Star Trek, which may you know, DS9 at least it had an overarching story, but they weren't really serialized episodes. It's like every now and then we'll come back to, you know, the the Cold War with the Dominion, you know, up until now when we actually have the war, for example. Um or maybe Maybe they'll be like a, you know, basically a two parter. We had a couple of those last season, even if they don't actually say part one, part two. Um, That's not the same thing either. So, here, for the first time in Star Trek, they planned out six episodes um, to really just be back to back to back. And it's one nonstop story. Now, one of those six to me, obviously, we're discussing the first four today, one of those six. I don't know about you guys, but like it's the the uh, sons and daughters. Um, you know that's the episode with uh, Worf's son Alexander. That one feels a lot more like a standalone episode that just kind of mm-hmm. opens and closes in a way that lets it bridge the gap. Um, um, but really, this is the first time that we're we've got these four episodes that go right into each other, and it it works so successfully for them that they they do it again at the end of the entire series with the last ten episodes. Now. It was very difficult for them because back in the '90s, not just because it was the '90s and communication with other people was different back then, but also because Star Trek as a show wasn't de- designed for this. It wasn't designed for serialization. They weren't. The show wasn't set up for this kind of of um, collaboration between the writers. Um, so for them to do it, they were putting a lot of uh, you know round pegs in square holes. Um, So it was not natural, but we can all agree it was very exciting, you know, the results. Uh, So guys, what does it mean to you for a show to be serialized? So that's one question I have for you. Kind of how do you guys define that? Another question I have is, at the time, this was controversial. Now, Gene Roddenberry famously did not like serialization, specifically with like a war, he'd never wanted an ongoing war. He thought that was very unstar Trek. Um, but definitely we all know just how how much of every single episode of the original series were bottle shows. Even next gen were pretty much bottle shows. They slightly got away from it after Gene Roddenberry was no longer a part of Next Gen, but even then, you know, never approaching what we would call serialization. Now Rick Berman talked about and I was surprised about the, I was surprised that Berman was not only okay with it, but he thought it was good for DS9. Rick Berman talked about Um, because, you know, DS9 was a little bit less Berman hands-on than the other Star Treks um, uh, next-gen DS9, uh, Voyager, and Enterprise. But Berman talked about, he felt like DS9 lent itself to serialization because we were on one station and we could have recurring characters besides our primaries in a way that you couldn't with um, the other Star Trek series. And I think that's a valid point. Um, So, sorry guys. So, Steve, Adam. Adam what is serialization, <laughs> yeah what does serialization mean to you and and did it how did it feel to you at the time having never been done in star trek before when it happened
1: um was that
0: you did you like it mm. did, you,
1: did you were you aware of it well, for me, ser- ser- serialization for me it's all relative. There's it's just a continuum, like so many things are. I mean, we can sit here and say this is serialized, this isn't, but it's a matter of degree. I mean, as you pointed out, um, this is feel if you're if you're going along and watching standalone episodes, then we hit this, and all of a sudden they're all connected. It feels very serialized, yet we know it's not so much as it is many contemporary shows today and so forth. So it's just a continuum, I think. You know, I think it's just all relative um, as far as how I felt about this at the time if i if i recall i'm trying to recall how i felt about it at the time but i enjoyed it i thought it was fresh to me it was still star trek i mean you had um you you still had the ongoing kinds of activities that the characters do the feel of the you know of the way the the plots run us in, in a small way i don't know i think i thought for me it was it was cool i enjoyed it and it were you made aware it of
0: of any star trek fan uh, backlash against this sort of thing
1: Oh, I I have a vague memory of reading. St- I mean, we you know back then we didn't see so much, read so much online all the time, and that kind of thing. As we are in t- in touch with it all now, but um sure. But but people getting mad about anything, you know. I don't remember. <laughs> it, I don't remember it being, it being a huge. I don't remember it being the hugest thing ever. I don't remember people saying, "Oh my gosh, this what's going on here with Trek or something?" You know, like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But sure, a little bit of backlash. Mr.
2: Caesar. Um- when I look at these, they I, when I was thinking back and remembering these, it feels like um, these episodes lasted um, longer. And I, I mean, like this the serialization of episodes, um, mm-hmm. and it's really you know, like you said, it's it's six. And I'm, I was thinking to myself, okay, this Odo stuff. Oh, this is happening this quick. Okay, with where Odo and um, you know we're going to get into that later. Odo and the, the female changeling come into play. Um, I really liked it. Um, I don't think you really saw it's. It's strange to me because it's um it's it's on two ends. It's very fast paced, but at the same time, inside the episode, it, it's paced just like a normal Star Trek yeah, episode is, and uh, and so it's it, it's kind of weird to me because these feel these feel to me in my head like faster, but they're not when you watch them. It so does make it difficult
0: I- for me to to kind of separate them without with the exception of. I don't know. I guess rocks and shoals. We know it's kind of it's the one that's mostly on the planet, and sons and daughters. It's mostly the Alexander thing. But even there, anytime it cuts back to the station, a lot of those stories storylines kind of blur. It's hard for me to compare them episode to episode. Um, or for example, we, we're going to see a lot of the same. Uh, in at least two of today's episodes, maybe three. We're going to, you know, Kira's going to go through the same kind of. Uh, realizations and just you know consider the same uh, questions and things. Um, so I kind of confuse them, um, and that's not that's not a bad thing, um, but it's just it's different for Star Trek.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, there's um there's you know a lot of the B story with Kira and um um Gold Dukat gets gets really creepy in this in this in this episode. In, time it, to stand. It, it, the time to stand. I mean, you know, and I see what you're saying about the, it's hard to talk about these four episodes and probably the next two that we're going to, and separate them because Mm -hmm. uh, it's, they're, they're really so intertwined. Um, Well,
0: now that you brought that up, I got to say my, my favorite scene in this episode is that scene between uh, Kira and Dukat. Um, That scene is nutty. Dukat is dang near. They's probably, as evil and terrible True. and disgusting as he ever gets in the scene with her in this episode, and she says something like, um, "Are you really so deluded that you think we're going to share an intimate relationship?"
2: <laughs> and, and he, he touches, touches her, and he touches her. We already do. Yeah, no. He her. <laughs> Presses her face, and you just feel disgust, like yeah, your oh. like um, skin must be crawling. To me, I, you know, in a weird way I was more disgusted in Sons and Daughters and like I said we'll get into that later and I don't want to
0: jump yeah, jump I, I know it's going to be hard for us to.
2: <laughs> so we'll talk about that later but yeah, this just those <laughs> the two those two episodes you just they really they really just like, you know what, we're, we're there's going to be no good qualities left in Goldakott after these after these episodes, you're not going to have any kind of like because I think before with Caldecott, you nobody likes him and we all think he's a bad guy, but occasionally you could kind of see a, a bit of goodness in him and you know, like, but it, it's it's gone by now, it's gone and it's just it's all like just sick, manipulative.
0: Yeah, crazy, you know, things. I read an interesting critique somewhere, I forget where it was. It was kind of it was comparing uh Ducat, Win, and um, ah. Crap, Ducat's XO. Oh my God,
2: what's his name? Uh, Demar.
0: Demar, right, right. Uh, Dukat, Win, and Demar, um, and, and basically the, the premise was that for each of these three characters, they start off as pretty evil, and then they kind of they 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 start almost going back toward some kind of you know finding some kind of redemption, and then at that point, uh, both Win and Ducat go off the deep end back the other direction. Yeah. Uh, but not Damar. He 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 follows through redemption, and he's shockingly shockingly he's the guy that comes out at the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and you know what what, what we see of Damar right now he really he's really kind of a one dimensional character to this point. Mm-hmm. You know he's just that you know the typical Cardassian that you think of just rude, obnoxious, arrogant. Some of you just want to kick. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, he eventually turns a corner.
0: Yeah, now, uh, I, yeah, see, again, I was trying to think it was this episode, but it's not behind the lines. It's the one where we we kind of <laughs> start seeing him drinking, but okay, so we'll get to that. Okay, so for this episode, um, so I didn't want to discuss these as all one big episode. That would have been a mess, let me tell you. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, well, okay, so we open, um, and it, things are pretty, da- you know, look pretty bad for um, um, the Federation. Frederick. Uh, I like the open on the station. We see Kira kind of—it's um, a new station. Kira and Dakot and Wayun Odo Cork. You know, it's like <laughs> half the same, half totally different. You know, that's one question I would love to ask um, the regulars, the actors. Like, how different were these first, you know, five or six episodes of this season for them? You know.
2: Hmm. Um. Well, it had be kind of weird for like um, Cisco and they, you know, probably showing up to DS9 sets every, every, every day. And then now they're, they're, I'm assuming they had to build new, new sets or at least dig up some old sets for the space station they were using and so forth.
0: Yeah. Another reuse of regular ones. <laughs> yeah. At least this time they added some stuff to it. So it didn't totally, it wasn't exactly the same shot or something. Um, I, I love the scene. Uh, I love the scene where Odo, <laughs> Odo asks uh Wei Yoon for his officers back and and Wei Yun's just done. <laughs> 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 Ducat's getting mad and whatever. It's that's that's pretty great. Um I love the moment kinda I think it's kinda near the end, you know, when um Odo and Kira kind of join hands in you know, in solidarity, not like romantic or something. But Um, it's just, it was, it was an odd moment because it's the camera's like really tight on them. They're talking quietly. They, this is when they decide to start um, resistance. Yeah. And, and, you know, then this is a victory or something that effect. and they put their hands together and it's, um, I don't know. I was just, I was just, it's, it's a great show. (laughs) That's what I was thinking Mm. when that happened.
2: Well, we haven't Um, even, we haven't even talked about the suicide. No, that's this episode, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the, sure. the Vedic that yeah, the Vedic that um yeah, it's um because that's what kind of leads Kira down the you know she has to resist. And okay. That's when they they just decide to <coughs> form their little cell.
0: Yeah. So, um. Yeah. Okay. So this. Yeah. that. That means this is the one that opens with her like getting up at five a.m. or whatever it is, and and going to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, we get that we get that exact same thing kind of near the end, after that, Vedic has said we should resist and cure us. So that those those are kind of the questions this episode asks. Well, the only the only other thing before we get into that, I wanted to mention was I I love that Brock Peters is on is in this show for whatever it is three or four minutes. You know that they mm-hmm. brought him in just so that Cisco could have that you know view screen conversation with him. It, it was really great because. You know, this is Cisco telling him about his his grandson, Cisco's son, Jake, having stayed on the station after the Dominion uh, has now occupied it, and it gives such weight and gravity to the fact that Jake stayed on the station that mm-hmm. here we see uh, Peter's playing, you know, um, Cisco's father, uh, just for them to have that conversation, and I really like that moment. And that's not something, you know, think how much money that costs the production. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. for those three minutes or whatever. It's not like he's a guest star for the whole episode. You know, that's not something I think a lot of other shows would have done. But I, I And, I, and I'm, I couldn't find any commentary about this, but I thought it was really great that they did that. Um, okay, so anything else to get? I just wanted to say before we kind of talk about what it's about? Yeah, so um, Odo, Kira, Jake, sitting in Odo's office, and Jake mentions about the protest the next day that the the Vedic is going to have, and she says, "I'll talk to him. I'll I'll talk to her." And he says, "Wait, are you are you saying you're banning, you know, protests now, public displays of any, uh, you know, uh, of any sort?" And and she just she like is taken aback by that, and she's she's not thinking, um,
2: she's not thinking that way. Basically, you know. Yeah, about- it's not at all. Um, so. And I think they set this up because it's kind of like a, a, a you know, a, it's a nice, it's, it's a nice occupation, you know, you know, you, uh, you notice that when Kira, the first time she gets up at five in the morning and then the Cardassian, I can't remember his name, but it is the scene amused me where the Cardassian brings her the coffee. And I think oh, okay, yeah. or, she's like, thank you, Mavic And it's, and it's, it's like, um, it's almost, it's weird. It's like, nothing's changed, but everything's changed. Exactly. It's like almost, it's yeah. almost like bizarro world for her, I think. And, um. And I don't think it's quite dawned on her consciously what is actually going on, you know. I, I, at least that's the way I interpreted it. Up until you know, the, up until the vedic does what she does.
0: Well, she says, you know, I've I hated people like me when under the occupation. You know, has she become that that collaborator? Collaborator? What defines? Okay, here's the so here's the question. This is what. You know, if this thing's about something, it's about a lot of stuff because that's what these episodes are—they're—they're they're jumping all over the place. But this is the one question I'm kind of curious about here: is you know, kind of, at what point are you are you justifying that occupation, um, and at, at what point are you just trying to prevent additional bloodshed? You know, when is okay? When is where's that line? You know, so I think those are the kind of questions it's asking. I'm not sure what the answer is, but you know. Kira you know Kira finds that she has crossed it and she's shocked to find that what are you guys thoughts?
1: Well, I think it's a gray area. I think this is these are good questions to ponder. But in reality, there is no right or wrong. I mean, yeah, it's it, you know on the on one end of the spectrum, you have situations where, uh, on a day in and day out basis, we live our lives and we tolerate things we don't think are right or either are morally or things that don't jibe with how, what our value system is. And we and how how what percentage of the time do we just play along because it's convenient? You know, if it's some small thing, we don't think any of it. As soon as it hits that kind of there's a everyone has a different threshold where something's going on and and how okay i'm taking part of that in in it maybe not directly but indirectly and i i got and it starts weighing on your conscience but it's different for everybody you know so i don't think it's i don't think it's something there's a there's a right or wrong answer to that mr caesar what do you think this episode's about
2: um like you said it's about a lot of different things you know um but I guess, I guess that would be the core of this, you know, um, uh, when do you fight? When do you not fight? And, um, and it, it really is a gray area. You kind of have to make up your own. This is something where you kind of have to watch it and kind of make up your own mind because really there isn't, um, there's not really a a right or wrong answer. On one hand, you could say Kira is just trying to do what, um, um, Cisco asked her to do protect Pejor at all Mm -hmm. costs. um, well but then they set this whole this whole episode up like the federation's getting its butt kicked so and and you know she knows that everybody on the station knows that and so there's like this it's a turning point for her and it's it's um, it's like a really you know sudden in your face turning point point. and they you know it was a very dramatic scene with the vedic you know committing suicide in front of everybody yeah and um and I guess that's what it had to take for her to kind of open her eyes. You know, they kind of have this whole episode set up with her just kind of <coughs> just walking through this without really her eyes open. And and that's what opened them for her. So I would say it, it's hard for me to, even though this episode's about, is is there's a lot in this episode and it's got a lot of texture and structure to it. It's really kind of hard for me to pinpoint one thing that it's about because it's about a lot of things.
0: You know, one last thing I want to say is I, I like that, that Odo... Isn't really with her on this. He, or a rephrase: He 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 doesn't reach the same thought um, as she does. He is with her only because he's. I stand with you, Kira. If this is what how you feel, then I then I am going to do the same thing. But I like that they make it clear that he's doing it only because she's doing it, and he's not sure that it's such a good idea because it gives that that places that doubt and sets him on the path that we're going to get to in the fourth episode today. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's very much, well, it's Odo, as we've seen over the last several years, he's, he's his most important thing to us, and basically what Kira is, and what, you can say what you want about this, o- about this occupation, it's orderly, it's very orderly, <laughs> and it's peaceful, according to Cork, it's very boring, but, um, It's orderly for him, and so that's Odo's comfort level, is things being in order. It doesn't matter who's in charge. As long as things are in order and balance, then then he's pretty much content. And Kira here is asking him to throw all that out of whack, so it's hard for him.
1: Well,
0: let's see how hard this is for you. (coughs) (laughs) Here we go. Six degrees for Time to Stand. Uh, Adam, you going first or second? I'll go number one. Barry Jenner makes his first appearance as Admiral Ross. In how many episodes will Jenner appear as Ross?
2: 932. It's a, <laughs> it's a multiple choice.
0: Is it four, eight, or twelve?
2: I will say twelve.
0: You are correct. It is twelve. Twelve. Mr. Embry, yes. Brock Peters returns as Sisko's father, Joseph Sisko. We'll soon be discussing the episode titled Far Beyond the Stars, so this is our one of our last chances to discuss those alternate roles. Who does Peters play in Ben Sisko's Fantasy of the 1950s? Hmm. You don't have to give yeah. me his actual proper name, just, you know, what...
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I guess I remember him being part of it, but I, uh, I guess I haven't seen that so often. So I do not. I don't know. I don't
2: know. Adam, do you remember? Um, is he a priest or a reverend yep. of some sort? He was the preacher, uh, Brother yeah. Benny. Brother Benny.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, oh my gosh, that's two uh, two nothing on the first question. Wow. Pull it together, Doesn't happen often. Season six may not be your season. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Rocks and Shoals Season six episode two production number five twenty seven original air date october sixth, nineteen ninety-seven. Written by Ronald D. Moore, directed by Michael Beager, music composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Andrew J. Robinson as Garrick, Phil Morris as Ramata Klan, Christopher Shea as Keevan, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Paul S. Eckstein as Lamara So, Lillian Chauvin as Vedek Yassim, Sarah McDonnell as Neely, and Joseph Fuqua as Gordon.
2: Limping back to a federation, sorry, let me start over. Limping back to Federation space in a crippled Gemidar warship, Captain Sisko and crew are forced to enter an uncharted nebula. They soon crash on a desolate planet in the middle in the middle of the nebula. After which, the remaining crew takes shelter in a cave. Not long after they have settled into their new home. Garrick and Nog are sent out to search for food and water when they are captured by Jemantar soldiers who also happened to crash on this barren world.
0: Vedic Yasm has organized a demonstration on the promenade tomorrow afternoon
2: to protest the Dominion occupation of the station. That's all the excuse Dukat will need to order a new security crackdown. I'll talk to Yasm.
0: So... You're going to abolish the right to protest here on the station. Okay, so yeah, with well, that discussion, <laughs> that discussion we had in the last one was not the last one. Okay, so yeah, you know, Kira getting up in the morning, starting her day with the gemidar, um, the Vedic hanging herself—all that is in this episode.
2: So, like <laughs> I said, it's, it's difficult to separate these things out. Yeah, so. we didn't even talk about what Cisco and crew did in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, right. So that, yeah. And of course that means, so the last episode, they, uh, they, well, you know, it's a good bit of action. You need some action in the open air opener and uh, they destroy the uh, station that stores Ketrasil White, right? Yes. Um, you know, it's a good story point since the, the wormhole is, has been blocked. Uh, we know there's not any more white coming in. There's no actual white production facility in the uh,
1: Alpha Quadrant. So when they run out of white, they're in trouble.
0: So that's good for them to do that. Yeah, I think
1: um, it, I think the fact that we inadvertently spoke different things, I don't think it's a big problem. Just be just because of the way this episode leads straight from where they just did in the first one. You know, we're just talking about yeah. two elements that have gone on, kind of uh, you know, in parallel in these first two episodes. Like here we yeah. are, a result of okay, with well, their efforts, and then it leads into the crash and what ensues in this episode. You know,
2: yeah, it's it's, it's it's a little harder to differentiate between A stories and B stories in these.
1: Yeah.
0: Episodes. Uh, yeah, well I'd have a hard time saying which is which in some of these. <clears throat> I do want to mention one thing, um in addition to the fact that I love Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> um this episode opens with the the ship like crashing.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. That that shot of Garrick like where he's back he's backing up on the the gem, the bridge of the Jemindar ship. He's like backing up and he's looking through his little view screen thing and he says, "Hold on." Mm-hmm. I remember that moment in like every trailer. <laughs> 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 season 6 or for the beginning of season 6 or like when the DVDs came out and they somebody uh, you know uh, Paramount CBS I don't know. They they cut together like this long um Trailer of Here's the entire series, and it's all coming on DVD. Mm-hmm. And that little moment was in there of Garrick saying, Hold on!
1: <laughs> <laughs> universally action interesting something.
0: Yeah. And of course, I watched that. I remember when the DVDs came out, and I watched that trailer. I think maybe it was a trailer they put on the first season just to advertise all the other seasons that were coming out or something. But I remember watching that trailer, of course, you know, like a million times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love Garrick.
0: I love him. I do love Garrick a lot. Um, you know, so the Gemadar uh, the ship sinks and um, Kira starts her day and all those things we talked about there. It, it all goes together. So you guys can tell us that, that we suck, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a testament to how wonderfully serialized these episodes are. Mm-hmm. You know? If we ever decided to talk about 24, we would have one really long podcast. Yeah, or, or Battlestar, even. <laughs> yeah, Battlestar would be very difficult. Yeah. Um, how's that going, Steve? You still watching? Say what? Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so I will say this: this episode, that rock quarry, I think it's in in Sun Valley, which is pretty cool. I don't know. Uh, maybe 20 minutes from where I live so I should go
2: out there sometime um, actually... okay. is this the same quarry where they shot like what was that Starship Down or when the actual... yeah
0: they shot a couple other episodes there but I don't ever remember this massive remember like the this huge vista whenever they exchange prisoners Ooh. yeah yeah that's cool that, that is like the that might be the biggest exterior feeling shot in all of DS9 to me yeah it does feel big doesn't it mm-hmm. um, I don't know that's worth commenting on so I did See how I did that? <laughs> uh, I like this Vorta. It's kind of freaky looking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got these freaky looking eyes. Uh and how and how that, that whole storyline, you know, where um Bashir saves him and uh what a Vorta thing to do, you know. Uh yeah. gonna sacrifice all my men if you know, just so that I'll make it out of here. <laughs> you know? And it's it's interesting to me that Cisco almost feels a like kinship to those soldiers, the Jemadar soldiers um, and, and Zero to uh, the Vorda. <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's disgusted by the Vorda's sacrifice, well, not caring about his men.
2: Well, this particular Vorda has no honor whatsoever, so... Well, I don't
0: know that
1: any
2: Vordas do. I, d- I don't do mind Wayoon. He doesn't have any... Oh, I, I like
0: him. I'm just not sure that
1: he has that and, kind of. And that's an interesting point, and I don't know when a good time to discuss this would be, so might as well say it now. This notion of Jim Hadar, you know, you remember how, you know, back in season four, especially, the whole Klingons and, okay, they have no, Jim Hadar have no honor and stuff, too. Well, you know, it's all relative. Every, every, all of them have some level of honor or another, depends on how you define it. You know, like, how many times have we seen a Jim Hadar first do something that, how would you say, is not honorable, even if we think it's part of their programming? You know, there are some that seem, you know, to have higher values than others, and what they're willing to do, and so on. So I don't know this whole notion of Jim and dar with no honor. You know.
2: Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're that they're are more individuality in them than is let on. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we by by this point we've seen enough Gemindar to know that they're they're not just robots that are all the same. They're they're individuals, mm-hmm. they're individual sentient beings, if you will.
0: I think it's an interesting trait of just how intelligent um the founders the changelings are the, you know so so the the vorda are genetically created they're genetically engineered so are the gemadar um their personalities all the vorda have similar personalities in the same way that all gemadar have similar personalities um all of the Vorta seem to you know they are these um not honorable kind of selfish mm-hmm. overconfident conceited um, and the Gemadar are soldiers. For the most part, I think they do have honor, and they're very—you know—they're obedient, absolutely to the to the founders. It's just—it's interesting to me that that the changelings, the founders, clearly designed each of them in such a way. You know,
2: mm-hmm, Can you, mm-hmm. if, if it was
0: the other way around, <laughs> it wouldn't work. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but and also, if there were a lot of Vorta, it wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. It's that there's this one Vorta with the batch of Gemhadar that it makes for this interesting balance and a very interesting design on the part of the founders.
2: Well, well, let's look at where Wayun's come from. Wayun was kind of was a lot like this when he was first introduced. This, this cunning, you know, will you know stab you in the back kind of guy. And I'm not saying he's not that now, but we see him now. He's very, very personable kind of guy he likes people to like him and he, you know he has this <laughs> so he's not an unlikable person and I, I don't dislike the character and i think we can all agree that we like Wayoon because probably because we love the actor as well but yeah there are differences between Wayoon and this particular Vorta. even though Wayoon's probably started out very much like we're seeing this vorda start out i can't remember mm-hmm. the character's name at the moment but yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting that Cisco would, for example, he tried to turn the third Gemidar, uh, who's really the leader of these Gemidar. These he tries to turn him, but he would never try to turn the Vorda. You know that scene when the the third comes to see him in their cave or whatever, and Cisco uh, uh, tells him, you know, I've never met a Vorda I liked, basically, and they all they're all conniving, manipulative, but I don't. But I have seen Jemadar do some be, be honorable and do some honorable things. Um I'm not exactly sure why he was trying to turn him. What uh, I I wondered during that scene what he hoped to gain from it. It's not like the it's not like the Gemadar was gonna say, I don't know, okay, I'll kill the Vorda and join you or something. I'm not sure. Unless he was just trying to
1: create, you know, division. Yeah. A I, think, there. I think it's just standard star freak. Starfleet protocol in these situations, turn the enemy against each other if at all possible or something. I think it's like automatic, you know.
2: <clears throat> Sound like you said Starfeet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Standard Starfeet. <laughs> yeah. See, if he, if he really wanted to tor- turn the Jemadar, he could have told him there's a bunch of white in the ship at the bottom of the ocean. He could just go swim <laughs> down there. kind of
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. They they did beam up like eighty some white cases, didn't they? Yeah. No, yeah. Nobody ever talks about that. There's, there should have been eighty cases, eighty, 80 cases of uh white on that ship. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's something true. like that. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. So,
2: what's this? Uh, what's this episode about? <laughs> Don't rip your pants.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you like that scene? It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
0: It's such like a, you know, I, I would, I would, I would have done that too.
2: Is it, is it just me? Or the one thing that I kind of distracted me in this, uh, Dax being injured, but not really gravely injured. It just kind of struck me as like, why I even bother with it? But I guess somebody, I guess, I guess oh. you are going to, I guess if you're going to, if you're going to hurl into a planet, I guess somebody has to be hurt. So <laughs> no,
0: that was, that was because it's the same reason every other time they go outside, she's not with them. she, the actor, Terry Farrell, has a skin condition. She can't be in the direct sunlight. Oh, OK. Remember that episode where they go to Risa? Mm-hmm. Mostly it was cloudy because the weather being messed with. <laughs> the only time it was sunny, they went out there. She stood underneath an umbrella the whole time. OK. Yeah. I don't know what her condition is, but
1: that, that's, that's why they did that.
2: Um, one of those interesting know. little oh. trivia facts. Maybe,
1: maybe honor in war or something like that, you know, like uh, not necessarily are rules to war, although people pretend there are. But, uh, you know, the the notion of, you know, standing, standing together versus what the Vorta is doing, basically selling his his men, you know, maybe something like what does honor in war mean to different sides?
2: What's the morally right thing to do? Yeah, something.
0: It, it, it is that the Vorda looks at all Jemadar as expendable, right? I mean, the Vorda, yeah, yeah. the Vorta would sacrifice himself to save a, a founder, for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, they'd okay. have to.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they would want to, no?
1: Right, right, yeah. They'd be
0: they're encoded okay. to they do so. Yes. Well,
2: okay. m- maybe maybe not this one. He's um, particularly. <laughs> <It's
0: not me. laughs> well, Do you remember he's going to come back in a few episodes? Yeah, well, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, well, I think we hit on you know, the other story in this episode, the uh, station aspect we talked about in our last discussion. And uh, that has some interesting uh, what's-it-about questions that we covered there, too. So, let's move on. Six Degrees for Rocks and Shoals. Uh, Steve. Yes. Oh, this is going to be an easy one for you. Phil Morris plays the Jemadar Third. Ramatiklan, the Jem'Hadar leader that chooses to follow his orders, though it means death for him and his crew. In the original series' first season, he was the little boy in the army helmet that attacks Kirk and crew in an attempt to stop the Grups. Name the episode.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. I remember the episode? It's pretty kooky. It was the girl. The little girl's name. Oh yeah, yeah. Mary. Very good. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Adam. On the board. Yes. <laughs> Christopher Shea plays Keevan, The Oh, that's his name, Keevan. The <laughs> boarder that is happy to send the Jemadar to their deaths if it means saving his own life. In Enterprise's first season, he played the Suliban Sajin in the episode Detained. In this episode, he escapes a prison facility with the help of two members of the Enterprise's crew. Name them.
2: Two people of the Enterprise's crew. Um...
0: Prison together, and they
2: all escape. Um is, uh, Archer and yes. yes. Uh see this is bad I can't even remember anybody else's name. On the crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's going um, to make a guess, isn't it? Um Tucker. Uh no, sir. Steve.
1: All right, I guess Archer's one of them and Reed. No, it was Mayweather. Oh, good.
0: Okay. I know it was like the one, the only time I think he he, he helped the two of them escape from this prison, and then some other point in the entire series, there was that episode where like they go back to his old ship, and those were probably the only times they did anything with Maywe-
1: Mayweather. <laughs> like,
2: okay. Poor Mayweather.
1: Yeah. But- Sons and Daughters, Season 6, Episode 3 Production Number 526 Original air date, October 13, 1997 Written by Bradley Thompson and David Weddell. Directed by Jesus Salvador Trevino Music composed by Jay Chataway Guest cast include Mark Warden as Alexander Roshenko Mark Alemo as Gold Dukat J.G. Hertzler as Martok Melanie Smith as Toriziel, Casey Biggs as Damar Sam Zeller as Chitarg and Gabriel Union as Nagarin wow.
2: While the war between the Federation and the Nabinian continues, General Martok docks his ship to take on reinforcements. Worf is confused to see that one of the new recruits is his estranged son, Alexander. Meanwhile, back on Tarak Nor, Major Kira is surprised by the return of Zial to the station, who was convinced by her father to return. This Alexander Roshenko, you know him?
1: My son and Klingons grow up
2: fast, well, they, do. they do, yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, we saw when
2: what season of Next Gen was he born, like the second, was it? First? Uh,
1: uh, yeah, I think it's implied somewhere in the second, third, somewhere in there, yeah. So,
0: so we see him. Um, the last time we saw him was I don't
2: know, season six or something in Next Gen, yeah. He was like a 12 year old boy by then, too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so they, they just, well, it's never, we all thought that when these episodes aired. Um, and I'm sure they had countless discussions in the writer's room about it. But mm-hmm. um, it has never been established how fast Klingons grow. Yeah, so, sure, it's I mean, It was okay. For to,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're like Jim Adar, they grow maybe, fast. Maybe.
0: Yeah. Well, I tell you, though. So so for our listeners, thank you for bearing with us as we mixed up a lot of the plot points in those first <laughs> two episodes. Uh, and I think it was okay for us to do that. We probably just should have done it as one discussion. Um, this episode, is it's different enough, it feels enough like a standalone, that it's easier you know, for me to kind of separate it out. And, and in a way, it kind of separates the fourth episode we're going to discuss today with those first two. So uh, this episode is easier to discuss as a traditional episode. And in that and, sense, I will tell you...
2: And the, the A and B intertwine. Sorry.
0: Okay. Yeah, they do. Well, it's called Sons and Daughters, right? Um, I will tell you that what whole, has always held this episode back for me, and this is the only one we're discussing today that I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't enjoy this episode quite as much as the other three. Partially, I think maybe the writing isn't quite as good as it is in the other ones. Maybe it's not Klingon-y enough. I'm not sure. But a big part of it is, personally, I never cared for the guy playing Alexander. That young actor he's, probably, he's only, i know he's young guy probably 20 21 at this point playing maybe an 18 year old but um he never sells me on alexander he he feels a little bit empty and or whiny and i don't know
2: well i you know what i think i agree with you there because you know last time we see alexander in um next gen um this the little this boy em- was awesome Yeah. I mean, by the, by the time we, we, we finish on next gen with Alexander, the, the boy, it's he, they're Worf and and Alexander are in a, in a mutual understanding place. There's no, there's no conflict between them. You know, it's, they've come to kind of accept each other. Um, Alexander is a strong young, he's, he's, he's his own, he's his father's son. You know, he's a strong, young, confident boy. And then we come into this episode and it's like flipped on its head. There's like,
0: how did he get from that to here?
2: Yeah, and how did yeah, Worf yeah. get from there to the here? You know, it's just yeah, a kind,
0: the kind of strange. Guy that was would have gone years without talking to his son.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and they didn't, you know, and like everything seemed fine on next gen. Mm-hmm. So maybe I think, I think it was like mutual, even that he wanted to go back, wasn't If I remember correctly, it's been a while, but even that aside,
0: I still, I still. I don't care for this actor. I don't. I don't. I don't care for the way he plays Alexander. I don't
2: know. You know, when I'm um, when I going into this episode, I, I'm just like you. I didn't really care for it, and I was just like, I don't know why they went down this road. And I, I have the same complaints about the actor as you do. I think a son of Worf should have been more authoritative. They still could have made him klutzy. but just he's kind of a runt. Well, and I they, think
0: the other thing is these kind of questions with Alexander. Uh, you know, I feel like we kind of had these, we've had this these questions before. We've had this theme before. Uh, the episode where he, you know, comes from the future as an older Klingon. You know, these were the same kind of issues. Right. You know, is mm-hmm. he enough of a Klingon? Is he enough of a warrior? Is that what he wants for himself in his life? Is that who he wants to be? You know? Mm-hmm. Do, you uh-huh.
2: they, do you think they just got lazy? I think they could have done, I, I don't mind them bringing Alexander back. I think it was a good but, idea, but...
0: The writers made the reference to uh, made a reference to uh, I believe it's a John Wayne picture Rio Grande, Rio Grande, and you know where this the leader of a fort, you know, um, 19th century. Um, these new recruits show up, and one of them is a son that he hasn't seen in years, and they have to you know work together. Um, a lot, actually, a lot of the episodes. The rocks and shoals was was a strong reference to an, an old specific specific movie. They they do this a lot on this show, uh, and that's cool. Um, but here, um, if Alexander doesn't work, the whole show kind of doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I have to tell one very. I'll make it brief. Gabriela Union, uh, you know, plays uh, the female Klingon on the bridge, mm-hmm. and. You know, after this show, she went on to be you know a big Hollywood star and was in lots of big movies and stuff. And she's not so big now, but you know, years ago she was in all these big movies. When I first moved to LA, was it like the height of her career? I first moved to LA and I went to this restaurant. Oh my God, it's the same restaurant I saw everybody else everywhere, but it's nothing. <laughs> anyway, I was at that restaurant and she was at the table next to us, and I was with some strangers. And, uh, I mean, I was with someone that I barely knew. And um, this person I barely knew said, oh, that's Gabriella Union. She was in this and this and this and this. And, of course, me, I was just like,
2: what? No. She was a Klingon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've always been like that, you know, no matter who. Once somebody's in Star Trek, it doesn't really matter.
2: That's their origin. doesn't (laughs) matter. Star Trek person, I only get starstruck. Star
0: Trek people. And I'll tell a story. Uh, when we get to section thirty one soon.
2: <laughs> anyway, so so when you see Ashley Judd, you just see the the oh,
0: I, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I always talk about you know she got that new TV series. I'm like, oh, it's the Star Trek chick, and I love <laughs> that she embraces that history too. So anyway,
2: so, well, since we've gotten off target because the Worf, um Alexander story is kind of weak, the one thing that kind of <laughs> disgusted me in the, the the whole Kira, the you know with ZL coming back, that whole weird married type. Couple. It was just. It just creeps me out. It' not a yeah. bad. It's it's in, it's intriguing to watch, but at the same time, you're just like, this is not, well, it's it's, it's a not little right. with me coming off.
0: You know, just an episode or two back, where she went through these same kind of questions, and you know, well, I mean,
2: Ducat is manipulative. He's using his daughter to manip- manipulate Kira. One thing that we've learned throughout these these series is that Kira Kira is a bit of a pushover when it comes to certain what things like this she you know she'll go along with it and so Dukatna, and I, it's just a it's all manipulative thing he knew he wasn't going to get her with the direct approach so he's like he's just using his daughter cuz he knows that she cares That's for her it.
0: i'm pretty sure this is the very last time you know cuz this kind of thing has happened back and forth with her you know she's gone on missions with him and whatever but i'm pretty sure this is the very last time we will ever see her lapse into an almost friendship with him briefly you know i don't think mm-hmm. this will ever happen again
2: no the, the dress put her over the line oh isn't that great
0: <laughs> i love that that was it i yeah, love that he crossed too line. far no he, he he was his overconfidence again it was just like taking the station instead of stopping the defiant from laying all those mines.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't send the dress
2: buddy um, yeah um and then it, he's just sick then he gives it to zl he's like oh I'm yeah. yeah
1: i was looking for you yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's that's SD The dress is fine. I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I like the scene. I like the scene between uh, Martok and Alexander. Um, oh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Because prob- mm-hmm. I like Martok so much.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I love his line about "I just gave you a chance to prove yourself." I did give you a chance to prove yourself, and you failed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I like when I like when like Klingons do this a lot, but you know certain ones they say statements that's supposed to be profound and they're really actually silly obvious, or you know like <laughs> early in the episode when father and son don't speak, there's trouble between them. <laughs> it's <laughs> like that is supposed to be profound, you know it's like
0: oh, okay, they do not speak. there are no words <laughs> no i my funny thought was, um <laughs> you know they're they're going to protect these Klingon transport ships. Mm-hmm. What kind of a Klingon is the Klingon that gets stationed on the transport ship? I know how bad is he. Yeah, like what? 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 what ship are you with? Oh, I'm on yeah. <laughs> the transport ship. <laughs> you say
2: real quiet. In the transport room. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I bet you've got some great battle stories from the transport ship. Remember that time we <laughs> beamed all those people
2: onto the ship? <laughs> I don't know. So I'll
1: just turn around and tell them all to shut up and get in their seats or whatever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, well.
1: Um, what's this episode about? Sons and daughters. <laughs> Sons and daughters. I was just going to say that too.
2: Offspring. Yeah. yeah. Manipulation and. Um on the B story I guess if that is the B, the Kira with the Kira on um, story storyline is that, is that the B story or is that the A story it's hard to tell in these episodes I guess
0: it's probably this one I would say it's the B the other episodes I think it's it's more difficult but this yeah, one yeah. Feel
2: like the B <clears throat> <clears throat> well if you think about it, the Contra you know the the Kira thing it's, it's disgusting and it's manipulative and then on you know we had this kind of honor discussion before and then you have the the wharf and Alexander. You know, it's about honor and you know, and learning to be, uh, learn to become a father. And I'll, I'll, you'll teach me to become a father. I'll, you teach you to become a, a Klingon warrior or whatever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, but, we we heard this before back in Next Gen, but I mean, it's good to have a reminder.
0: What is it that prevents Zial from ever seeing Dukat for who he is? I know that he's her father, but. Heck, in the last season he literally left her to die, and still i, still, I will, she
1: gives yeah him. i i have I've known people like this I mean she's she's yes, he's her father, she's also young, you know, maybe a little naive I mean this is not so surprising, I don't think
2: you know I was thinking about her character and I was thinking you know I was thinking that she should. She should be like a stronger character because she came from this prison camp where she kind of had to fend for herself, and 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 she's kind of clingy and needy. When it comes to Ducat, when it comes to everybody else, it's not so much. But I mean, yeah, there's this weird um, connection these two have, and. Yeah, I guess it's a Kardashian thing.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's kind of like on one hand, on one hand, given her how she grew up, you think she'd be a little harder, you know. But at the same time, if she had this idealized kind of vision of what her father was, maybe it's hard to shake. Maybe it's just but she can't
0: even. She can't even see it enough to understand how Kira could never, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And how Kira
0: can't even come over and have dinner with the two of them anymore, you know? All right. yeah.
2: she, she well, I think Steve's vision. right. Yeah, I think Steve's right. She's just idolized this in her head to the point where it's like her she reality. She wants it to be so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Kids are stupid. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: So dumb. They, ju- they join a Klingon army
0: to fight. Yeah, really. Uh, weren't you guys, weren't you comfortable back in Russia on Earth? You know, yeah, Why didn't
2: why did you join Starfleet if you wanted to fight? <laughs> Follow your father's <laughs> footsteps. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. We ready to move on? We got anything else on this? No. 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 Moving on. Okay. Good. Let's go to the good one. <laughs> Six degrees for sons and daughters. Uh, we got. Uh, what, what is our score again? I have one. He has. You have two. one. Adam has two. Okay. Uh, let's see. Steve, you went first last time. Adam.
2: Yes. Mark
0: yes. Warden plays uh, sudden uh, <laughs> Mark Warden plays Worf's suddenly adult son. Alexander Roshenko. This is his first appearance as Alexander. In what episode will he make his second and final appearance as Worf's son? And I will give you a hint because I want the episode name. Marriage.
2: Marriage is what wings us. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I know we're going to see in a couple of weeks. Um, yep. A Klingon marriage i don't know it. i don't know i haven't looked that far ahead on the episode list i should know this steve, what's the name of that episode um it's
1: on the tip of my tongue it's definitely obvious what it's about from the title yes sir um something like you're all cordially invited is that it uh close enough it's okay. you are cordially invited i'll go okay. ahead two right, two thanks. steve
0: Warden also played one of the Klingons who underwent experiments that led to the smooth-skinned Klingons we would see in the original series. Uh, in what season of Enterprise did it attempt to explain the difference in appearance between the original series Klingons and subsequent Klingons? So, what season was this episode that oh, yeah, played yeah. a totally different
1: Klingon? Right. Um, I think it is the fourth season. You
0: are correct. It was the fourth ding, season.
1: Ding, ding, ding. Uh, two-parter Affliction and
0: Divergence. Oh, look at that, Adam. You had a, you, I had a lead. You had it uh, in the bag, man. Okay, moving on. Wasn't
2: it, wasn't that a three-parter though in Enterprise? Was it? That was the one with, um, I I, I don't
1: remember, to be honest.
0: It was a Brent Spiner one. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it was a three-parter. That's what you get when you write some of these questions from memory. Moving
1: on. (laughs) Behind the Lines, Season 6, Episode 4, Production Number 528, Original Air Date, October 20th, 1997. Written by Renee Acaveria, directed by LeVar Burton, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Jeffrey Combs as Wayoon, Mark Alemo as Gold Ducat, Max Gradanchik as Rom, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Casey Biggs as Demar, Barry Jenner as Admiral Ross, and Salome Jens as Female Shapeshifter. Wow.
2: Starfleet learns of the reason behind the Dominion's early dominance in this war when they discover a sensor array monitoring all activity across five sectors. Sisko soon formulates a risky plan to disable it, but learns he won't be commanding this mission or future ones to come when he is promoted as Admiral Ross's adjutant. On Tarek Nor, Kira's... Odo and Kira's cell is compromised when Odo is visited by the female shapeshiftster who sat in judgment of him back in season four. A lot of people are going to die. Don't you care? It has nothing to do with me. How can you say that? If you could experience the link, you'd know why nothing else
0: matters. Steve us
1: mm. off on this episode well I think it's good no um yeah i I, <laughs> I i it's it's good on a lot of levels I mean the um you know it's bookended well with the with the um phaser array battery ritual things um you got a lot going on you see it's fun to see this rebellion on the station you know you have a a main character uh you know you, we i mean i like with Odo, you know, by the end, you really have a distaste for him, you know, and it it takes a lot to really, mm-hmm. I think, I think for, you know, the characters you, you, you grow to appreciate and love over the course of a series for all. of a sudden one episode, you get like, you get really angry with them, you know, and that's how I feel about that situation with Odo. So there's a lot going on, but I think they keep it all together and it makes, makes for an interesting episode.
2: I, I love the, um, opening to this, to this episode, you know, it's kind of dark. You have Kira with, um, Doing, you know, doing the narration of Damar, what's going on with his, um, you know, his pad. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of really dark. She's in the shadows, and then you know she's explaining, and then the Jemadar and Damar are getting into it, and you see Court come around, and I, I laughed my ass off when he gets tossed over the bar, and you just <laughs> 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 his brother go, ooh, I mean, cause he <laughs> he gets chunked over that bar, and I'm just like, you know, it's it was just I don't know, it was. It was like a release because it's very dark and it's very you know hmm. you know something big's going to happen and then Cork gets to- gets really tossed across the bar. So yeah,
0: there's a lot of stuff in these episodes that are <coughs> unusual for DS Nine, unusual for Star Trek. You know that kind of um, from the distance, uh, watching and, and hearing uh, that was that was unusual. There was another episode today I, I don't think we mentioned it, but where like Ducat basically does a captain's log kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm not. I don't know that a villain in Star Trek ever did that before or after. <laughs> it's right. yeah, interesting. Just another can one of these interesting kind of weird things that...
2: Can you see Khan doing a log in Star Trek <laughs> too? Captain's log. Today I tried to kill <laughs> Captain Kirk, or Admiral Kirk, Admiral Kirk,
1: Admiral. I think. Uh, I think one thing is interesting. I think this is, a, is kind of obvious. The parallels here, but. Clearly, the whole notion of the the linking, you know, that Odo and the female shapeshifter do—it's—it's a—it's like, uh, you know, it's like uh, women using sex as a tool to get what they want. And what's interesting is that Kira, you know, she's she shows the jealousy. So if mean, if you imagine that the linking was really go to bed with me again Odo instead of link with me again Odo it's the same results would happen here you know the whole sure. oh he's mm-hmm. playing into her hands Kira's mad about it and you know it, it's 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 interesting you know I mean, it I mean, is it interesting to me though too that and I had these exact same thoughts and when they
0: link I thought it was sexual yeah um and when Kira screamed at Odo you know you linked with her how can, you know, how can you trust her? How can you do that? <laughs> you know, I thought that, I thought these same things, you know, jealousy. Um, but like, I turned to my wife and I asked her, is this sexual to you? And she said, no, it's it's intimate. I wouldn't say it's sexual. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was interesting that she would respond that way. And then in my research, I read an interview with, um, I don't, I don't, how do you say her name? The female changing Salome Jens. Salome Jens. Uh, and she said, she can see how a man would immediately, you know, go to the, it's a sexual, um, interpretation. But to her, it wasn't. To her, it was, you know, intimate. And I thought, well, there's, there's two women, including the one who played it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, thinking that way. Um,
2: so. Well, isn't, isn't, isn't loving sexual relations, isn't that, intimacy but in a certain level i
1: think this is just male female perspective difference here but yeah. but regardless yeah there's there's intimacy involved and and plus, jealousy on the other you know et cetera.
2: plus we have precedent because i believe odo described the linking as possibly being sexual and he said that something that
1: you could you might define as sexual yeah right so you know it's obviously it's since it's something that humans can't do it's something that we can only guess at. You know, it's it's. I'm sure the sensation that Odo goes through is something that is some falls somewhere in the cracks, somewhere in between all those notions of sexuality, intimacy, whatever. You know, there's just a whole well, lot on there. He's
2: well, regardless of how you describe, he's definitely manipulated by the yes, by, yeah, by this yeah, by whatever you want to call it. He, he's and whipped. He, you know. Yeah, and, and if you could think about it, you know, watching this, you know, you're very upset with Odo, and you kind of. You have to take a step back and realize how naive Odo is to relationships or, or things of this nature. You know, we mm-hmm. we see Odo as like a strong, very capable and knowledgeable character, but in reality, he's you know, like I said, he he doesn't know the ways of well, relationships. What makes
0: so uncomfortable at the end of this episode, to me, what makes me so uncomfortable is not that Odo, it's not just that Odo went this other direction. It's that he's so calm in it. Yeah. You know, if I yeah. went up to somebody and I was mad and when Kira goes up there and she bangs on the uh, compound, panel you know, to open the door, she is pissed. You mm-hmm. know, if I'm arguing with somebody and they get calmer.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh,
1: well, really yeah, are. because it show, it's like a, it's like an indication that that they just don't care. Well, it's, like whatever it is you're concerned his, about is just not important, you know.
0: He has well, taken on that superiority, yes, yes, that all of the changelings have, and that yeah. is the very reason they don't feel remorse about wiping out entire civilizations of Mhm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it would. It's like to them, it would. You know, it's like us stepping on an ant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't step on ants, but you know. <laughs> Unless they were in front of my door, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get in, I'd step on them. Then, hmm.
2: Hmm. yeah, but yeah, this episode—we were talking about this um, during our pre-show—is kind of like this is one of the few times where i just wanted to start go on hit go ahead and watch the next episode yeah just because um it's like oh i want to i want to see what happens you know and that's i think that's what the we were talking about this this series of episodes where it just kind of encapsulates cool. you and what we were talking about a lot of shows are like this today i don't know how many shows were like that in the 90s or, or prior to that um You know, so I mean, so yeah, I definitely kind of had that feeling where you know it's like I I want to keep watching. You know, especially when when you watch Battlestar, I've been watching Fringe, and I just want to keep watching because it just hooks you, it hooks you, it hooks you, and it's definitely how these episodes um, play out to be. And we'll see it again, like you said, in season seven, the last ten, you're just going to want to watch them all straight through.
0: We're going to do those last ten one podcast per episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: one a month, right? <laughs> right, one a month. <laughs> one a year. will take ten years. <laughs> um, well, look, I just want us to to talk about Odo at the end here again. Because what I want to know is, <clears throat> has Odo been brainwashed or manipulated? Has he has he really has he really kind of gotten to this point? You know, you're you, you're not a changeling. You can't understand. All your problems just don't seem to matter. They just didn't matter. You know, because if it's not brainwashed, I don't think it was brainwashed. If it's not being, you know, brainwashed or even even manipulated, that, that's still, there's still an element of him making, you know, these decisions on his own. If that's it, if it's still our Odo in there and he's just reached this point, how do you, how do you really come back from that?
2: Well th- th- this is kind of how I would describe it um and this is kind of a crude way of describing it it's almost like he's really high you know it's almost yeah. like he's he's drugged it's like you know um, I'm I'm good I'm I'm I, you know I'm relaxed I'm content I uh, you know I don't care about your problem you know it's all, literally in a, in a weird sense it's almost like he's high on this um on this linking and you know you know, and eventually he comes down from his high and it comes to his senses, but that's the best way that at least my, my brain could comprehend what he was going through. It was just Hmm. some sort of weird euphoria that, um, and you know he truly—I think he truly believes that in in this in his state of mind that he doesn't care about anything because he's in this euphoria, this high of what he's experienced. And um, yeah, it's, it's like being it's on o- drugs.
1: Yeah, it's only partially. There's only a little bit of reasoning and logic there. It's much of it is just the yeah whatever's going on in some kind of chemical level or however you want to say it, uh, emotional level. You know that brings him to that that place. I mean, um, I mean just. Like when, when people get drunk high whatever it is they just don't care as much i mean about this or that you know inhibitions go away i mean and yeah this is a big deal this isn't just oops i don't care if some little thing happened he just messed up something and someone's life's in danger now you know so it is a big deal but <laughs> not not just not just rom has been captured everybody but, the whole but thing. now yeah, the they whole have program. the
0: ability the, the dominion has the ability to take the mines down and let Everybody through the, you know, all the reinforcements through the wormhole and potentially Starfleet loses the war. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it couldn't have been bigger stakes. And still, he says, it doesn't seem to matter
1: anymore. Yeah, well, you it know. doesn't seem to matter, but it's it just the degree of that, what that link is, what kind of effect it's having on him, especially how he's not experienced it regularly enough to... Um, <laughs> how, did, how did Kira know?
0: Like... I can't believe you link with her. Promise me you won't do it again. He breaks his promise, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Um, promise me you won't do it again. How does How does Kira understand this this uh, effect the link has when when he doesn't? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah. So, sometimes it, 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 it takes a third party to see it. You know, it's, it's
2: it's being on the drug, it's chasing the dragon. You know, it's he's he's in he's in it big time. He's deep into his this. This euphoria, and you know, and nothing really concerns you when you're in that those situations. And yeah, it is. It, it is. It is. People outside your your circle, or you know, people that care about you, that say, you know, slap you in the face, or you know, have an intervention and get you back on the right track. Um, it's, it's that's what I
0: was trying to do up until. You know, once he didn't show, and Ram was arrested, and the entire Alpha Quadrant in danger. Now it's a different conversation. You know,
2: yeah. but, but until
0: K- then, yeah, that's what she was trying to do was to save him.
2: Kira's partly to blame here. You know, she knew before they did this that he was, you know, a little iffy with the. She should have checked. I know it's in the storyline. She said, "Should should have tapped on the communicator. Hey, are you in your office?" Before she sent Rom in there. <laughs> I did actually
0: think that during this scene. Like, yeah, it was. We're talking about the entire Alpha Quadrant mistake. Yeah. Maybe she should have spent the night in his room and,
2: <laughs> and yeah. made sure
0: nobody else came in
2: there. I don't know. You know, like I said, a, a quick phone call. Hey, you in your office? Yeah, I'm in my office. Do what yeah. you got to do. You know, we're taking him yeah. out
1: of plan just because <laughs> of the unreliable. Ability of it for you know he's being so, hmm.
2: but I mean you know the, you know you you got to make the story go and that would have just ruined the story so yeah.
1: I think
0: we've covered what it's about already.
2: Yeah.
1: Sure.
2: Yeah, we didn't even talk about Cisco and all those guys.
0: Yeah, it was a, a smaller bit of the storyline, yeah. but just the, you know how the commander has to a commander has to um, let go, let go when he when he moves up the chain like that. Yeah. I'm sure that's that's uh, always we'll get
2: we'll get into more of that the next up, you know, because what do they Yeah, you know, the action part
0: of it. Maybe we should have talked about those first two as one today, but I'm glad that, you know, uh, us doing these first four, it, that we broke it where we did because the next two, I wouldn't I wouldn't have wanted to watch the next one and discuss it and then break mm-hmm. that up. So at least the next two we can, we'll have, you know, our next podcast we can talk about the first the next two episodes and finish out this six episode arc. And then of course, we're also going to be talking about so that's good.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. I think we're ready to finish it out with six degrees for behind the lines. <clears throat> Remind me our score, gentlemen. I'm three. three, two. I'm two. You're two. Well, then you can decide who goes first. Um, I'll go first. <laughs> Aaron Eisenberg returns as Nog, the cadet with no hope of being called captain uh if he sits in the Defiance Command Chair. What character does he play in Cisco's nineteen fifties fantasy in Far Beyond the Stars?
2: Isn't he the um senior the newspaper salesman? You are right, the news vendor. Very good, very good. Uh so
0: we're tied three three? Three all. Oh, my God. Steve, this is for the win, man. This is like, you know, bottom of the ninth. (laughs) 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 Jeffrey Cohn returns as Yun, the Vorda that is forever at equal odds with Ducat. What role does he play in Cisco's 50s Far Beyond the Stars fantasy? Uh If you give me his... Job, that's good enough. I think we've been doing that, but he actually did have a name,
1: okay. Um, yeah, you know, I can picture him. Um, I'm just trying to remember the role or what the nature of the uh, was it kind of like a, a PI or policeman of sorts or something? policeman? That is correct. He was American.
0: a New York Police Department cop. Uh, his name was Kevin McCullough huh? But he was a cop, that is correct.
2: And he knocks it out of the park on Look opening day, four three. <laughs> What the, we usually don't have such high scores, do we? No, it's, we've been having guests steal steal
1: that's questions been, That's, right. that's starting pitching. You
2: know. <laughs> yeah, do the, Royals,
1: do the Royals play today, or are they on tomorrow? Yeah, uh, it's tomorrow. Now everyone yeah. knows when we recorded this, of course. But yeah,
0: <laughs> it's an unusual episode for us, everyone, because uh, we had to record it really early because all our schedules are weird. In fact, yeah. in my emails, trying to figure out, we decided this was the pickle
1: cast. <laughs> <laughs> the pickle anyway. cast. Pickle cast <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do it, yeah, it's tough, well,
2: if it yeah, makes you feel better, Steve. So, like the guys cub- the- should so not talk about anything but Star Trek, yeah, I saw the uh yeah the Cubbies blew it, yeah, I saw that oh. <laughs> they're going to be terrible this year, anyway, it'll be all, it's all good, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to be surprised, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. <clears throat> Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, Man, I was just looking at the list of Season 6, and I'm just so darn excited. There's so many episodes. You know, to me, in this season, there are two episodes that are on par with, like, you know, The Visitor and Inner Light that are that good. At least I remember them being that good. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, And there's a ton of good ones, so very excited. Um, And in two weeks, we're going to finish out this six-episode arc. We're going to have the Mowage and that's a great episode so very excited um, so unusually late for us uh, forgive us if um, we were not as <laughs> coherent as usual and um, we'll see you guys back in two weeks so follow us on twitter that's at trekcompanion uh, send us an email trekcompanion at gmail.com you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash trekcompanion um The most awesome thing you could do would be leave us a review on iTunes, and uh, we would really appreciate that. We will catch you guys in two weeks.
2: Good night, guys. See ya. Bye.